Welcome to the big picture. This, by the way, is not the big picture as it will be shot in about a week. I'll be on a big stage with some giant LED walls. I'm still in my wife's closet, which is rather small, which is ironic since the show is called The Big Picture, but I'm still in that little closet. Uh, I put a picture up on Substack of it. It's pretty funny. It's not much room in here, but we're almost up and running, and we're going to have some great guests, including Jennifer Say, uh, brand president of Levi's, formerly. Uh, She's no longer there anymore after she spoke up about COVID lockdowns. They uh, asked her not to to be in that job anymore because Levi's is totally woke and cowardly. Uh, Laura Osnes, a Broadway singer who got canceled for not taking the vaccine, and her husband, Nathan Johnson, who are just, they're just great people, and I can't wait to share their story with you. So, and Mark Meckler, who just was on Tucker Carlson. He was just on with Tucker, uh, I want to say like just a few days ago. He's going to talk to us about Article 5, the Convention of States, and it's a really, really amazing idea that our founders have, and it's embedded in the Constitution, and he is the best man to explain it. But I would love it if you would subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Big Picture with Brett Craig. Just type it into uh, YouTube, the search bar, uh, The Big Picture with Brett Craig, and subscribe. It would mean a ton to me, and if you dare, like it. Like it anonymously if you have to. That is if you do like it, but it would mean a lot to me if you do like it and you would uh, thumb it up, uh, leave a review for The Big Picture on Apple Podcasts too. That would mean a ton to me too. I'd love to uh, have more reviews on my Apple Podcasts. just takes a second and you can do that anonymously too. I know, I know what kind of world we live in right now and I know anonymously is sometimes how people want to roll right now. Well, today I want to talk about what I call media no-fly zones. And this is building on my podcast about Damar Hamlin, uh, entitled The Questions You're Not Allowed to Ask. Now, have you noticed this phenomenon? Now, I'm talking about these media no-fly zones. Uh, Basically, they're subjects you're not allowed, at least for a period of time, to discuss in the culture. And you might have seen this play out over and over. These are subject matters that you're not allowed to talk about them on social media, particularly before Musk bought uh, Twitter, but definitely in establishment media, there are these subjects that even conservative outlets now uh, in in all big tech platforms, with the exception of maybe Twitter and Rumble, uh, things like that, these are media no-fly zones, and they're subjects that people just will not discuss. There's a little magic spell, a circle drawn around them, and you're not allowed to discuss them. And I'm calling them media no-fly zones. Um, And and I I just tweeted one such story. It's a no-fly zone for sure today. Uh, This morning I tweeted this. I showed some of those really odd and bizarre images from the Buffalo Bills game in which DeMar Hamlin made an appearance. The NFL really went to great lengths to make sure that you couldn't see DeMar. I mean, it just was, it was so weird. I mean, it was like, um, it was like he was the invisible man. Uh, The the glasses, the hoodie, the security around him, snow's falling, he's in the distance. And there was just something about it that it just seemed really orchestrated in the worst possible way. And all it did is raise even more questions Uh, And it got me thinking about these media no-fly zones that keep happening. And by the way, prayers up for DeMar. Him getting better is what matters. Uh, And so that is the most important thing. But it got me thinking about these media no-fly zones that keep happening. And DeMar Hamlin is definitely one of them. The whole internet is talking about 
that game, those images. Uh, and, you know, and they're talking about it in places where they're allowed to do that, like on Twitter. Uh, although I do hear a lot of people saying there's still shadow bans, still things that are being suppressed. But the establishment media is dead silent on DeMar Hamlin. It was the biggest story in, in the country. The entire country stopped to pray for DeMar Hamlin. It was a beautiful thing. But it is such a no-fly zone in the media. You are basically not hearing one word about it. Not just, again, from mainstream media, the establishment media, but also even big you know, conservative uh, media. It's largely quiet about DeMar Hamlin. And I do think there's a certain amount of like wisdom and judiciousness in sort of... Um, being careful with this subject. So I totally get that. And maybe people like me and bloggers and opinion makers out there or or cultural influencers or even just social media people uh, feel the flexibility and the, you know, the sort of the latitude to comment on these things. But I do think the story's so big. It's so weird that no one will talk about it in establishment medium and including, like I said, conservative media. And this is what I tweeted about this. And it went pretty viral for me, Uh, you know, pretty, it got shared quite a bit. This is what I said. I said, every single story that is most important, the woke mob and progressive media creates a no-fly zone around it. Even conservative media fear going near these kinds of stories when the no-fly zone is active. Damar Hamlin is one such story. And below that, uh, those words were pictures from the game, which are, again, those mysterious shots. And I will get back to DeMar Hamlin, which I covered in depth on a recent uh, recent podcast entitled The Questions We're Not Allowed to Ask. And, you know, I remember when I did that podcast, I thought, you know what? I could see these questions getting answered in the next 24 hours to 48 hours, and this whole podcast might be a waste of breath. But here we are a couple weeks later, and we don't know anything There is just eerie silence. The doctors are puzzled. We just don't know anything. And the one thing we do know is you're not allowed to ask the most obvious question. But but what I want to do real quickly is I want to give a few other examples of this media no-fly zone phenomenon that I'm talking about. I'm going to rip through these because I've mentioned them before, and my goal is not to relitigate them or to change your mind on them, but just to talk about these media no-fly zones and why I think we have to pay attention to them and, and what I think they indicate about a particular cultural subject that might be on the table. Because I and I and what I think it indicates is that this cultural issue or subject must be so important, hence the no-fly zone, right? There, there's something so important about this particular topic that we have to erect or kind of draw a no-fly zone around the subject. And these subjects change over time. But when media no-fly zones go up, they're inviolable, right? You cannot penetrate that airspace. To go near them is to risk social death. Uh, you, you could get mobbed online. You could get canceled at work. Uh, you could lose your job. I've mentioned it a thousand times, but Jennifer Say uh, from Levi's, I mentioned her earlier, lost her job simply for questioning COVID policy. So that is what goes on around media no-fly zone subjects. So I want to give you a few of those examples real quickly, and we're going to rip through them. We were told the election was stolen in 2016. This was a mainstream media theme. The Russians and Trump stole it. I know I covered this. I'm just going to rip through this. 
but, but we were told this. Questioning and ins- uh, or ensuring an election integrity in 2016 was a patriotic thing. You should question elections and you should, we should care about election integrity. We were told this by mainstream media. And, and if you disagreed with that at the time, remember what happened. You were a Putin sympathizer and a traitor. Okay. The J6 fiasco. Uh, what were we told about that? Well, we were told it was an insurrection. It was an insurrection. You must, at the time, if you remember, if you were a pundit, and I, I would say even on like a Fox News, you had to start every comment about J6, about January 6th, by making a condemning uh, comment about the insurrection and the insurrectionists and the plot, the so-called plot to overthrow the government, which, of course, the mainstream media said Trump led that plot. Okay. And if you didn't do that at the time, if you remember, you were called an insurrectionist yourself and a traitor to the country. Uh, Trump was deplatformed over this. So remember, that's how serious it was. And definitely this was a media no-fly zone and continues to be one in many ways because very few will talk about the treatment of J6 defendants. Some some conservatives have, like Glenn Beck, which is, which is good, because the J6 defendants and that that issue should concern all of us as Americans, because no matter what you think of their actions that day, it's still important that everybody has their day in court and everybody uh, is allowed to defend themselves. And it feels like on the J6 defendants that people have just thrown the key away uh, and they're getting treated pretty bad from what I hear. And nobody really cares. All right. Next subject. COVID lockdowns masking and the mandated mass medical intervention. And you know there's a media no-fly zone here because I'm not even going to say it because literally the algorithm will, will, will cause a problem for me if I do, if I, when I put this on YouTube. So you know what I'm talking about when I talk about a mass mandated medical intervention. Uh, again, COVID lockdowns, masking, and that mandated mass medical intervention. Uh, you had to agree with all three of these things, every part of them, or you would be called what? You'd be called selfish. You hate your neighbor, and you're probably a racist, and they always seem to throw in racist in there for good measure, even though you usually can't tell what the connection to the subject is, but you're a racist. Lab leak. Real quickly, it was racist. Well, this one's a little easier to connect. It was racist to suggest that that it was a lab leak. Remember, the media told us it's racist to even call it the Wuhan virus, right? Even though we called the Spanish flu the Spanish flu. Um, The lab leak, we were told, was a conspiracy theory peddled by conspiracy theorists. and, and, And only they believe that the virus came from a lab. Stop being a racist, you racist. Now, even the Senate committee today uh, report confirms that the lab leak was likely what happened here. And I think most people, it makes a lot of sense that a level four BASL lab down the street gave the world COVID when they were doing gain of function study there. And whether it was malevolently malevolent and it was released or if it was accidental, who knows. But, but, But we have to sort of face the facts. Probably came out of that lab. All right. The universal mass injection. Let's just focus here for one second. Remember what we were told. I'm just focusing on this one thing. Uh, do it or you're selfish. Uh, do it or you're the very cause of the pandemic. As the president said, it was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Ask any questions about it, right? Because maybe your risk profile is different or maybe you're not sure you want to give it to your kids or maybe you're pregnant or maybe you already had it and you're wondering about your natural immunity. Then you are an anti-vaxxer. You're a flat earther. You are a science denier. And again, um, there was this level of approbation that 
happened uh, with this uh, in the in the media as well, right? You just you couldn't talk about this subject without getting uh, a strike against you online, booted off platforms. Uh, so if the name calling didn't work, the total media blackout around it uh, would get you one way or the other. It was a media no-fly zone. All right, I'll bring this one up real quick because it, it is worth bringing up. BLM, Black Lives Matter. There was a magic spell, again, that was cast around uh, that subject by the woke and the progressive media kind of in sort of a conjunction with each other. And the circle was drawn, right? The media no-fly zone was established, and you weren't allowed to ask questions about BLM. You couldn't offer an opinion about BLM. You, all you could do is kneel and say her name, right? Remember, they demanded that you say his name, say her name. To even ask a question about BLM was racist, it, and many people would say still is. It is. It's a no-fly zone, right? That was a media no-fly zone. And only two years later did the Daily Wire do a documentary on BLM. But that's, you know, just another observation is about this no-fly fly zone phenomenon is at some point, and that is what the Daily Wire uh, documentary about uh, Black Lives Matter, I think it was called The Greatest Lie Ever Told, what it, what it also shows is at some point you are allowed to talk about these subjects, but only when the public's attention is diverted to the next media no-fly zone. In 2020, remember, so this is so funny because I just love that it's the reverse of 2016. Many thought the election was kind of shady and odd, right? There was many people, a lot of us feel that way, uh, with Biden campaigning against Trump from his basement and mail-in balloting and all these new standards due to COVID. Uh, There was broken water mains and lots of weird little things happening. Some of that stuff probably is just normal and can be explained just by a big country with lots of places to cast votes and mistakes are going to happen and weird things are going to happen. But there was the endless counting counting of ballots in the most advanced country in the world. It just sort of happened again in the midterms down in Arizona. But the new no-fly zone around that issue was now, as opposed to 2016, if you question the election, right, to question the election meant you were a traitor in an insurrectionist, right? That was the kind of words that were thrown around. In fact, we were told it was the most secure election ever. <laughs> so the no-fly zone was erected, and it was best if you just stay clear. But in fact, one of the ways that you could definitely get kicked off of YouTube, and I think it's probably even still true to this day, if you say the election was stolen, if you were to say that, uh, you, you, you very well could get a strike and you could be kicked off YouTube. So it was definitely a media no-fly zone. Uh, and, and, and again, oftentimes with these media no-fly zones, and this has been the thing that's hard for even me to come to accept, and it's been a little bit bewildering and sort of disorienting, is the fact that conservative media seems to be obliging these no-fly zones. And, and I don't want to be like um, naive and, and overly a purist, uh, but, but you know, they, they face real challenges, right? Even those in conservative media that might really want to tell the truth, they're up against uh, some strong opposing forces in, in big tech in terms of censorship and things like that. But, but, but they're not even willing sometimes to go, to go there on some of these issues, especially when the media no-fly zone is first erected and it's most important that no one violate it. And there are exceptions, but the media no-fly zones uh, even wave off conservative media. They wave them off the plate quite well uh, and quite consistently. Uh, and even conservatives will not tread in these areas, which brings up, I think, trust issues, right? When really smart people won't ask obvious questions, and I'm looking at some of these people, I'm like, they're smarter than I am. 
Uh, and, and anybody with half of a brain would ask questions about some of these issues. I have to wonder what's going on, even in conservative media, which I'd like to believe is a bit more forthright. Um, but I don't know anymore. Um, point is, these no-fly zones, these media no-fly zones, are powerful spells that often ward off even the most bold, even in conservative media. All right, one more, one or two more. The unfolding story around the mass medical intervention that was mandated uh, is another such story today. There, there's a problem, Houston, and it's becoming inescapable. More and more evidence of things like all-cause mortality rising all over the world, infertility uh, levels rising, myocarditis, pericarditis, odd menstrual bleeding, sudden unexplained deaths, uh, odd clotting. But the no-fly zone has been drawn again around this subject. Man, this one's been a big one. Probably no subject has been more protected than this one. And you'll have to turn to independent media to know any of the things that I just said. Uh, again, and I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not telling you that I know the answers to all this stuff. And I'm not telling you that every single thing that I just said is true. I'm telling you that there's enough evidence at this point to have a conversation, to open up the conversation, to open up the dialogue. Uh, but I think there's such vested interests in, 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 in not doing that, that it's a media no-fly zone because all of, at this point, in my opinion, and, and it's clear because these media no-fly zones are so effective, it's clear that all of establishment media at this point is controlled, uh, that they get a memo. I don't know how they get it, but they know they cannot talk about certain things and they just don't. And you don't even think that, I don't even see the journalists even, these are amazing stories, the best stories in 50 years. I mean, my whole life, they're sitting the juicy, juicy stories for the press, and they will not touch them. Only independent journos will touch it. And again, it seems like that's true even of conservative media. So again, if you violate these no-fly zones, I just talk about a little bit how the sanctions could play out. The first thing that will happen is you will be ridiculed, right? You try it on uh, any one of the things I just talked about. You you will be ridiculed in, on, in social media. You will be canceled, especially if you work with woke folks in like advertising like I did. Uh, you would probably be canceled pretty rapidly. And again, um, if you keep talking about that no media no-fly zone, uh, especially when the subject is hot, especially when the media no-fly zone goes up around the subject immediately, um, because it's it's the most sacrosanct thing at the time that you cannot talk about, uh, you're, you could lose your job no problem. Uh, and, and that's the thing. When these media no-fly zones go up in the beginning, that's, that's the tell that that particular subject must be protected at all costs, which is also why over time, right, the things like the Russian hoax, the, the election was stolen in 2016, BLM, you know, the lab leak, eventually you're allowed to talk about all those things a bit more again. Like all of a sudden you find that big tech isn't as worried about those things. There's some honest conversations happening around them, but they're kind of in the rear view mirror because they're not essential anymore to the narrative uh, at the moment. And they make, I think also, they make people feel that on some level the truth can be discussed when in fact the biggest stories are totally ignored until they're basically irrelevant, right? Uh, things like lab leak, I mean, it's not irrelevant, but we've moved on. Uh, we're not really thinking about that now. Now, right now I can think of two hot no-fly zones. Uh, very few people 
will touch these two. And of course, one of them is the mass mandated medical intervention, but very few people will touch these two. And one of them, one of the ones I'm going to mention is related to that. But the first one right now that I think you could probably agree with, with, with me on this is Ukraine uh, is one of the uh, untouchable media no-fly zones right now. The, the Uniparty, as they're called in D.C., and I've really become a big believer in that. I'm not a huge fan of the Republican Party and certainly not a fan of the Democrat Party. There is a Uniparty in D.C. They share a lot of objectives. And that Uniparty, if you watch them, you know, this is both the Republicans and the Democrats, from the beginning, they have made it clear that this proxy war must be supported and no questions are allowed, right? It reminds me a bit of like when Iraq happened. I remember the push and George Bush was the president at the time. And I actually was a supporter of George Bush, you know, conservative. And looking back, I was so wrong about all that. And there was a mad rush to invade Iraq to go find these WMDs that were supposedly being made in mobile labs. And it turned out they never found any of them. Of course, we never go back and talk about that much. But so I've seen this, this, this before. I've seen this play out before. And there's definitely a no-fly zone, a no-fly media zone around uh, the Ukraine. And, if, and, and, and here's some of the tells that you know that that is true. It's sort of this mono this monolistic, uh, uh, one way of thinking about it, I guess, right? That just domi- dominates and it's, it's sort of non-thought. You just have to think of the Ukraine issue uh, as they tell you. So the tell on that is like you look and the, the woke immediately put up Ukraine flags. I mean, I see them on houses that also have other flags that the woke put up, but the Ukraine flags go up all over social media. Uh, usually the person will also have a, a, a vaccine symbol, uh, or, or, you know, on their on their page, or a Black Lives Matter flag, or a trans flag, or whatever. Uh, but it goes up, and there's it's just sort of like you just have to support it, which in itself, again, is kind of a tell. It's just the thing you must do. It's the thing you can't question. And the march to escalating war just kind of continues uh, with Ukraine. It seems like every day more is happening there. We're sending more uh, people to fight that war, more armory, just sent some Abram tanks. I believe they agreed to do that yesterday. And look, perhaps that is the right move. I'm not the expert here on this. And like, I'm not certainly not um, saying I know, but, but what makes me think it's, there's something odd about it. And maybe there's something wrong about it is the fact that it becomes cult-like, like a cult-like phenomenon. We've seen this over and over. How many times are we going to see the BLM thing, the, 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 the mass medical intervention uh, thing (laughs) called the vaccine? I'll just say it. Um, How many times are we going to see these things? The mask thing. They're just these like cult-like phenomenons that sweep through the country. And there seems to be a lack of inquiry and thought around them and, 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 and no tolerance for asking questions about them. Here's an interesting about the thing about the Ukraine. And I don't know if you know this. I mean, anybody who's kind of been digging a little bit uh, should know this, but this might surprise you. Uh, did you know that there is a Nazi battalion that fights for the Ukraine? They're called the Azov uh, Battalion. Now, when I first saw this, I almost couldn't believe it. I'm like, a Nazi battalion? I I find that hard to believe. But if you understand Ukraine's history, it's a pretty spotty history. Like, one of the things that's really interesting, and it's in Oliver Stone's movie about the Ukraine. I forget the name of it. I can't figure it out. can't draw on it right now. But Oliver Stone did a movie on it, but it's interesting. The Ukrainians during World War II 
what was interesting about them is I believe, and this is uh, this is accurate, that when they thought Hitler was going to win, they joined Hitler. Uh, and, and they actually, there's, there was a massive slaughter of Jews in the Ukraine. They joined Hitler. And when they thought Stalin was going to win, they switched sides. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to condemn the Ukrainians. This is who people are. This is how, this is how countries are. This is how we all are. Um, we try to survive. And so bad decisions can be made in that, decision, uh, in that situation for sure. But there is a, my only point is there is a Nazi history inside of the Ukraine. And there is a Nazi battalion called the Azov Battalion, and it's real. And if you don't believe me, I'll put the links underneath uh, this podcast today, but you can go look. I mean, the New York Times has written about them. I mean, I won't provide you conservative links. I'll give you progressive uh, leftist links to media because it's a known thing. It's real. And the mainstream has uh, media has spoken about it in the past. But now that the Ukraine war is ramping up, it doesn't fit the establishment narrative. And you will not see one story on the Azov Battalion. But think about that. I mean, we are told every day in America that white supremacy is the biggest problem America faces. And it's everywhere. And we got to watch out for white supremacy and Nazism. It's rightly seen as a disgusting chapter in human history. And we all agree with that for the most part, right? Um, not everybody does, but we all should agree with that. Um, so you would think a, a Nazi battalion <laughs> fighting for the Ukraine who we're supporting might be a story. It might be something we might, might want to talk about it. Because can you imagine if a Nazi battalion fought for the American military? Do you think that that would be tolerated for like two seconds? It seems like it would be a big story and a big problem. And, and listen, perhaps because life is messy, perhaps we should still support the effort in Ukraine despite this. And, and it, I'm sure there are strong arguments for that. After all, we armed bin Laden against the Soviets. Uh, we did. Uh, and we also supported eventual mass murderer Stalin against Hitler. So my enemies, I forget the, 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 the term, uh, the, the, my enemy's enemies, my enemy's enemy is my friend. I, I understand that theory. And so it might be right? But can we at least talk about these things? And yet there is this media no-fly zone around the Ukraine, and we all know it. Um, and so send in the Abrams tanks, uh, escalate the war, and it just seems like there's a lack of like real constructive dialogue around the issue and thought. Um, and I think that's that's not good because we rushed into a war in Iraq and we've rushed into other, other wars, and it's a big deal. We, we really should think about these things. And we shouldn't be afraid to ask questions about these things. Okay. Another, I'm going to return now to Damar Hamlin. This is another very current media no-fly zone. And it's connected to the mass medical intervention that was mandated, known as the vaccine. Uh, And the Damar Hamlin story, I, I just think, I just want to focus in on it one more time because it's been two weeks since I last talked about it. Now, we all know from the beginning, you weren't allowed to ask questions about the story. I did a whole podcast about the fact that I think I entitled it uh, The Questions You're Not Allowed to Ask. And at the time, like I said, I I didn't know if that story would evaporate in two days because it would all be clarified. But of course, it hasn't been. And this has played out like every other hot media no-fly zone. Basically, no one's entitled to... uh, ask any questions, number one. Nobody's entitled to any answers, right? And of course, as it turns out, it seems like they don't have any answers and they won't even look under the cover about the most 
maybe one of the most obvious factors in all of this, the mass medical intervention mandated by the NFL. Seems to me that that should be on the table at least for discussion, and I've already made that case. But two weeks later, it is still not being discussed, and the whole story keeps getting more weird. That NFL appearance just raised more questions. It was so bizarre. What was going on there? All those strange, like Michael Jackson vibe shots of Damar Hamlin from a distance, all covered up. It was just odd. And I almost can't think of an explanation that is a positive one for the way that that was handled. And I think it actually made the situation much worse. And again, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying I have the answers, but my focus here is to point out the media no-fly zone, the magic spell which draws a circle around a subject and forbade you from discussing it. That is clearly in effect with Damar Hamlin. And I am just noticing that, and we should all notice that. See, the media no-fly zone is used to stop conversations about the most important stories, the stories that seem to be the most critical to the establishment narratives that we're hearing, establishment narratives that we keep finding out later are lies. Because everything I've mentioned already from COVID, uh, the handling of COVID to BLM, to the Russian hoax, to the stolen election, uh, the J6 uh, insurrection, so far, the more we learn the more we realize it was mostly lies. That's what we keep finding out. So when you draw a no-fly zone, a a media no-fly zone around Ukraine or big pharma and a certain uh, medical intervention that they're mandating, or you draw that no-fly zone around Damar Hamlin, then I know with reasonable certainty that something's up. Something is not on the up and up. I'm not saying I know the truth. I I really don't know the truth about Damar Hamlin, and I don't totally understand Ukraine as well as I probably should, and I need to do more research about that. Um, But I know one thing is true about them. I'm not getting the actual story. I can feel that. Uh, You know what I mean? You just can feel it. And the name-calling by the woke for even asking questions, and when I say that, I'm talking about kind of like your office mate, the person on social media, maybe a family member, the name-calling by the woke who put up the Ukraine flag immediately, who put up the BLM flag immediately, who put their vaccine status up immediately uh, because they think it's social cred or they want to show that they're, um, you know, towing the line on the woke uh, sort of ideology. Um, the name-calling uh, is, the is like I said, one of the ways that They're able to kind of keep you in check, to keep you out of that no-fly zone. Uh, And and then the second way they keep you out of it is just the the blackout by media. You know what I mean? Like the media just won't touch it. Establishment media, even conservative media. But real quickly on the name-calling part, listen to this. I just thought I'd share this with you guys because this is what I mean by when you broach the no-fly zone. And again, when I say I'm broaching the no-fly zone with Derek Hamlin, all I'm saying is I think there should be a conversation about this. I think it's being handled really weird. And for doing that, these are the kinds of responses that you get. This is what somebody wrote to me on my Substack. Uh, and it wasn't about Damar Hanlon, but this is the kind of stuff the woke say to you. So I just want to be clear about that. And it just, but it just shows you like when they come at you, this is how they try to get you quiet. Uh, if they can't get you quiet, here's what this person said, Brett, 
Does your herpes-infected man blank squirt when you toy it with your jumbo-sized orange Trump blank? I'm not going to say it. It's too gross. I bet it does. L-O-L-O-L. Listen to this part. Please kill yourself, you conspiracy-addled anti-vax mega mother effer. And it has happy faces and middle fingers repeated underneath it. And I actually tweeted it because I thought, you know, and, and, and it, I kind of was like, should I tweet this? But then I realized I think I should because I think it's helpful for people to see this is the level of rhetoric the other side is offering, especially when you touch one of those no-fly zone subjects. Kind of to wrap up here, um, it's just interesting, you know, uh, how we're just kind of keeping the most important subjects in the dark out of the light. And we're in this habit with these no-fly zones of suppressing the truth regularly in this culture. And maybe that was always the case and I just didn't know it, but it feels like it's getting so bad the older I get. I love this verse. Uh, this is a verse from the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John, by the way. If you if you never picked up a Bible uh, in your life, the Gospel of John is just beautiful. It's just a beautiful, of the four Gospels, it is my favorite. Uh, John uh, refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is a really funny way to talk about himself. But uh, clearly there was a really special relationship there. And John, speaking of Jesus, uh, says this at the beginning of uh, the Gospel of John. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light. And this is the important part here. Because why? Because their deeds were evil. So light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. And why does John say that's true? Because their deeds were evil. You know, when we can't talk about things, it's an indication that something is being hidden. And we don't generally hide good things, do we? As sinful, corrupt human beings, we hide lies. We hide the things that we're ashamed of because dealing with the truth is messy and painful. But yet, if we bring this stuff into the light, we can deal with it. I think it's a lie. That's the, the lie that keeps you keeping all those lies in the dark and all those painful things in the dark. It's the lie that you can't deal with it. There's no way out of this if I pull it into the light. But we can be re reconciled to the truth and we can be set free. We can move forward in a positive way. And, and that's why Jesus encourages us to look in the mirror and deal with our corrupt condition, right? Just admit who you are. It's not about living in the shame. And, and, and I want to say, I do think society tries to tell us shame is always bad. No, I think shame has a role. Shame has a role. Our conscience has a role. Uh, it convicts us. But, but, Jesus offers us the ability to move past the shame, right? Past the conviction a little bit, uh, you know, after we are convicted of who we are, past our mistakes, and into the freedom to live with purpose and hope. Our culture is slipping into the darkness because it won't deal with reality on all kinds of subjects. And I don't even have to go through them with you guys. You guys know them. And this culture suppresses the truth every day, like John said, Every day it suppresses it, keeps it in the darkness, takes the truth and, 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 and tries to keep it away from you, takes the lies and tries to conceal them from you. Uh, and, and so every day, more and more of this is happening. Every day there are more 
no-fly zones around more and more subjects uh, as we try to silence more and more people by shaming them, criticizing them, saying things like that guy said to me, uh, which are just horrible things to say to people. And it's only going to hurt more and more people. As I said before, in the event DeMar Hamlin did suffer from some complication from the mass medical intervention that he was pressured to take, as all NFL players were, then keeping it in the darkness is just going to ensure that more people are harmed. And that's a far harder thing to deal with, right? Think about how much more hard it's going to be to deal with down the line, rather than if we were to drag it into light today, into the light today, and yes, it will be painful, but if we did that, then we could move forward and in a positive way, right? Begin to deal with what's really going on. And there can be real accountability, because we need to have that too. And then there can be real healing. That is really the only way forward. So I think just if I could end today, my encouragement to you, one, don't be a part of these no-fly zones, right? They're all over the place. They're at work. They're on social media. Uh, don't propel them by shaming others for talking about them because it makes you feel, I don't know, like sanctimonious and you're some kind of enforcer because so many people do that online and around these subjects. And and the other thing I would just say is don't be afraid to violate these no-fly zones. I'm not saying go around, try to cause trouble and just bring them up at the local diner and, you know, just go to your family dinner and try to cause an argument with people. But I don't, I think we got to, we have to be less afraid to violate these no-fly zones that the media is telling us we can't talk about, that the woke are telling us we can't talk about. Now, now I get it. When I say that, there is an intense spiritual feeling when you get near these subjects. I think that's real. I think you're feeling something that's quite real. It's trying to get you not to go there. But that's just an indication, in my opinion, that these are the issues we most need to talk about as a society. And this is true, by the way, in our personal lives too. We, we all have personal no-fly zones, right? Areas we don't want to discuss or broach. They're just painful. Um, they're mistakes we've made. They're sins we've committed. Things that we just, ugh, we don't even want to look at them. We'd like to keep them in the dark. And so no-fly zones are not just about macro societal issues. And the truth is the enemy wants the lies kept in the dark where he can he can uh, use them as leverage over you to keep you in bondage and enslaved to him right to keep you believing that it's something you can't overcome there's nothing too big to overcome that is that is such a lie no matter what you've done it doesn't matter you can walk towards the light and if you don't know how to do that here's what i would say to you today just this this, this is all i would say to do just offer a simple honest prayer to God, asking him that he would give you the courage, right, to move forward on whatever is being suppressed and kept in the dark for you. And only you know what that is, only you and God. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have uh, some special ability or be super spiritual and uh, be a part of a Bible study and go to church every Sunday. You could do this right now. Offer up your personal no-fly zone, the thing that you've kept back from God, the thing that you're ashamed of, is submit and give him access to it. He has access to it anyway, by the way. It's not like you're keeping it from him. It's not like he doesn't know about it. But ask him to give you the courage to face that thing you've kept hidden in the dark, right? Pull it into the light. You will never regret it. You will never regret it. And then deal with it. 
accept the accountability that comes with that and make it right. You can do that. And I, I, I would pray that for you today. And while we're praying for that, right, I hope you'll do that, join me in praying for the country that we would move back towards God, right? Back towards the light of the truth that we face reality, right? And begin to heal uh, the painful wounds of the last few years. I'm Brett Craig, and I hope you have a great weekend coming up. And that is the big picture.